I was just absolutely disgusted. And I thought, you know, I don't want to grow up in a world like this. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire. Who's there? It's the Lions of Liberty podcast, and it's episode number 86. Before we get into today's show, I want to take a second to let you know about Health Excellence Select, an amazing alternative to Obamacare, which utilizes health sharing to cover your medical costs. That's Health Excellence Select. For more information, head over to lionsofliberty.com slash health. My guest today is the founder of Project Digital Privacy. We'll discuss just what that is with him. He is Brandon Keebler. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Well, Brandon, you know, without even talking to you further about exactly what this is yet, I got to say I'm already impressed because most people might not know this from the sound of your voice, that you are 16 years old starting this organization. So before we talk about just what Project Digital Privacy is, why don't you just briefly describe you know, how you became politically aware, politically active at such a young age? Because when I was 16, I really didn't care about this stuff. I, I cared about you know, comic books, uh, pro wrestling, you know, if Steve Austin was going to beat The Rock, that kind of thing. So what made you so politically active, so politically aware? Um, you know, I can really sort of trace it back to uh, one one instance that really kind of led me down the path that I'm on. So I was in uh, I was in Orlando, Florida, and I remember I was um you know sitting in front of the TV, and I saw it was uh, two years ago, and I saw the Edward Snowden you know all that junk start popping up, you know, you know seeing that the NSA spying and all that good stuff, and you know I saw it and I was just absolutely disgusted and I thought you know I don't want to grow up in a world like this you know I don't want to have my kids grow up in a world like this and then you know it just came with through that and then a series of really interesting coincidences that I was able to start um restore the fourth and within 3 weeks we got 15,000 people out to protest and then eventually now go on to make a uh, project digital privacy Great. Yeah. So you're actually involved with Restore the Fourth. I've talked to somebody from that the L.A. chapter of that organization, Pablo Serrato, out here in L.A. So I didn't I didn't realize that you already say so you've already been kind of active for the last couple of years then with with the privacy issues. Is that right? Yeah, active since about fourteen. Very cool. Wow, that, that that makes it even more impressive to me because I definitely didn't care at the age of fourteen. I, I might have had some, you know, inquisitive conversations with my parents, or or maybe I sort of went, was interested in the political debates. But it, when it came to you know actual issues, and a large part of this might just be you know the the era we live in, the fact that there is social media, the fact that there are all these forums that I didn't have when I was a kid, where people are actively talking about these topics all the time. But ironically, despite that, it was mainstream media that that really woke you up because that that Edward Snowden revelation. I think, you know, that was just something too massive, too big. I mean, it would have been ridiculous if the mainstream media just didn't report on it all. So, hey, mainstream media, if you guys are out there listening, there's still a role for you guys if you play it right. If you, uh, you know, if you actually push forward the stories that we need to be talking about instead of just, you know, uh, if Kanye interrupted, you know, back at the uh, the Grammy Awards or whatever. So <laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit more about, you know, first of all, I want to touch more on this privacy issue because a lot of people that I know anyway, will say, yeah, sure, the government's, you know, they're spying on us, but yeah, I don't have anything to hide. What's the big deal? I'm not a terrorist. I'm not a drug dealer. So why should people be concerned about this issue, if, even if they quote-unquote have nothing to hide? You know, I always say to people that uh, they ask me this question, I always say, 
you know, you yourself may not something to hide. And actually, I think that that's false. Everybody has something out there to hide. But uh, when you look down deep into it, I mean, there's definitely, you know, everybody has something. I mean, you look, I'm sure that your brother, your sister, even your grandma, your great aunt, etc. I mean, I'm sure that they've said something on, you know, a, a cell phone or while there's been a microphone in the room or, you know, they've texted something that they definitely wouldn't want anybody else to see. And I think that if you just ignore these things and say, oh, you know, it's hey, it's OK that they n- not only spy on me, but, you know, my family and, you know, my friends, I really think that I- ignoring it's definitely the, one of the biggest part of the problem. Sure, and if we didn't care about privacy, I mean, we wouldn't have uh, curtains on our windows, we wouldn't have passwords to our emails, we would just all have the same password, like 1234, and we would all just, you know, read all, read everybody's stuff, and you don't, you don't have to be a criminal, you don't have to be a terrorist to, to want privacy, you know, it, it doesn't even mean you have something terrible to hide, it just means, you know, we, we don't have, not, not every aspect of our lives needs to be known by the entire world, um, you know, some of us put maybe more of our lives than we might want to see out on Facebook and social media and that kind of thing, but but the point is this should be a personal choice. You know, what elements of our lives the rest of society gets to find out, and it shouldn't be up to the government to be able to to scan through all of that and see through all of that as they currently are able to do, you know, and, and to kind of dictate which of our information they deem to be private, and maybe, you know, once, once this information gets in the hands of third parties, of, you know, an NSA operative, you don't know what can be done with it. It doesn't necessarily need to remain... Uh, um, you know, a national security issue. I mean, I even read a story about how NSA agents, this is something that Edward Soden mentioned, that, you know, they would find, you know, nude pictures of people, print them out, pass them around the office. So, I mean, it's clear that there are many things that people don't want to see that, you know, this kind of level of intrusive spying will invade their privacy. Have you, have you heard that story about the, the Edward Snowden that mentioned how NSA agents were passing around nude photos of people? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that they said that they did it with, you know, ex-girlfriends, you know, like... As if that makes it okay or something. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely disgusting what they've done with it. Why don't you get a little bit more into uh, the specifics of Project Digital Privacy? Why did you find this specific organization and what is the goal? Yeah, so I founded it really because, or, or at least I really left Restore the Fourth because, wow, they were trying to make more of a national impact. I really wanted to, you know make the focus at home. I wanted to, you know, hit them where it hurts, you know, where people can really say, hey, this is affecting me and there's a place where I can change it. So I founded it so that way uh, we would search as, serve as sort of a uh, centralized hub so people, they could come to Project Digital Privacy, they could talk to us, they could get information and take our packet and our resolution and bring it back into their hometowns and start a fire, you know, in their own backyards. You know, that, that sounds like a very similar strategy to the one used by a good friend of mine, a good friend, uh, a guy you know too, Dan Johnson, and kind of his strategy with uh, Panda, People Against the NDAA. And I know Dan was also instrumental in helping you launch off the ground with his great organization, the Solutions Institute. Uh, you can hear more about that back in episode 69 of this show, lionsofliberty.com slash podcast for the full archive. Can you just uh, take a second just to maybe, we'll give Dan Johnson a plug while we're here talking about him. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about how Dan Johnson and the fine folks at the Solutions Institute helped you launch this organization? Dan Johnson alone, I mean, I've known him for about a year and a half, and he's functionally my mentor at this point. So, I mean, he's helped me with anything from, you know, getting my website hosting set up, you know, pointing me to people for graphic design. He helped me make up my resolution. You know, he even helped me come up with the name of my organization. 
So, you know, him and Solutions Institute, I mean, they've been a huge instrumental part, and I definitely couldn't have done it without them. Listen to this. For people that think that the millennials, the, the next generation, are just, uh, you know, they, they're not up to anything good. They're, they're not producing anything for themselves. Well, we got Dan Johnson, a 21-year-old kid, mentoring Brandon Keebler, a 16-year-old kid, to raise awareness of these very serious issues. So... I would object to that notion, to the, the summary notion that the next generation isn't isn't worth anything or isn't doing anything productive and is just sitting on Facebook all day. Although I'm sure a lot of people are doing that too. Uh, so how do you plan on actually combating the surveillance at the local level through, through this organization, through Project Digital Privacy? Whenever they introduce the resolution into their towns and, you know, hopefully, God forbid, get it passed, it's going to do a few different things. One, we're going to start working with the local police departments on training so that way, uh, you know, people like uh, the police departments, they know, you know, Fourth Amendment liberty rights and, you know, what they can and can't do as far as surveillance. Um, another thing that it's going to do is it's going to make sure that they talk to their uh, congressional districts and, you know, help get awareness at at least that level. And the third and the biggest thing it's going to do is uh, actually there's two more really big things. Um, so the third thing it's going to do is it'll let them, uh, you know, it will forbid them from buying any sort of IMSI, um, you know, catchers. So uh, fake cell phone towers, pretty much, as well as, you know, things like drones or other surveillance devices. And the fourth one is that it will make them immediately cease any sort of data sharing of this, um, you know, unwarranted, unconstitutional data with, you know, people like the uh, the DEA, the NSA, all of the alphabet agencies. You know, I really like how you mentioned at the, at the top of that list there how you guys are actually looking to work with the police because I think so many people in activism, so many people in the libertarian community, so many of them try to sort of paint the police as this separate entity, this this organization that always we need to combat. And yeah, we need to combat any bad ideas. We need to combat bad actions uh, by raising awareness about it. But, you know, it's not like every police officer is just this, uh, you know, this maniac running around trying to spy on everybody. A lot of these People are good people, people that might not even realize the unconstitutionality of their maybe orders that they're handed down or of the programs they're participating in. A lot of these programs are, are federally directed, federally funded. So I'm glad that you're not trying to make the police an enemy. You're trying to make the police uh, sort of a process with this. Was that kind of a, a, a conscious thought you had to to make this not really an us versus them thing? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think it's more or less of a, you know, everybody versus surveillance as a we the people versus the police. Very good. And can you describe a little bit more? I mean, a lot of people are familiar with the Edward Snowden stuff and the NSA, but I don't think people are as familiar with just how local police organizations are spying on their local citizens. So can you delve into that a little bit more? Yeah. So what uh, local police stations can do is they can buy these things called uh, IMSI catchers. They're also known by their uh, popular name of stingrays. And uh, what they'll do is they'll basically act as a uh, fake cell phone tower. So they'll purchase one of these ranging from about $12,000 upward. And they'll usually have it in some sort of a van and say that they have a, uh, a suspect, say, in an apartment. So what they can do is they can drive up with their, uh, you know, the stingray in a van. They can drive up to the apartment and uh, park it. And what they can do is they can collect the cell phone data of the person that they're trying to catch. However, it's very far reaching beyond that. And they don't just catch, you know, the cell phone data of the one person. They catch the people walking by, the cars driving by, everybody else within a certain radius around it. It's a very dragnet. And do they need warrants to do this stuff? Do they need a warrant for the specific person they're targeting, even though they're, they're sucking up all this other information? 
They do, but it is often used without warrants. I think in Florida, it was shown at least in like one police department to have been used over 200 times without a warrant. Wow. And and then even in that case, even when they do have a warrant for a specific person, I mean, that's all well and good, but they're not just sucking up the information of that specific person. And, you know, we can say, sure, well, they they can't use any other information they gather in – in a, you know, in a, in a court or anything like that. Well, you know, that goes back to our privacy issue that we discussed earlier. They shouldn't have that information in the first place. They shouldn't have any information from any other people because once the third party has it, you don't know what's going to happen to it. And it just goes back to that issue of personal privacy. Uh, you know, what other ways are you going about kind of raising awareness of this issue? Because, you know, I think for people to get, I guess, sort of fired up about something... You know, they really need to be aware of it, and I think that's one of the biggest things. So many people just aren't realizing how many ways they're being spied upon by the federal government, by local police, so many ways that just go completely under the radar, so to speak. So how do you plan on raising just overall awareness of this issue? Um, I mean, we're raising awareness through things like, you know, like social media. We're doing radio shows and podcasts, much like this one. This is your first stop, I would imagine, right? I mean, the, oh, the number one show out there. <laughs> of course, number one. Um, I know he didn't ask me anything on Reddit, and we'll probably end up doing another one of those again soon. So, I mean, it's just, you know, finding ways to reach out to people who, you know, are definitely would be interested in this sort of thing, but just don't know what they, what actions they can take. Gotcha. What, what has been the response from, you know, other people in your life? Has, has uh, your family supported you through this stuff? What about other people, you know, your peers, people at high school? Uh, are, are people really supportive of what you're doing? Or do some people think that you're just like the crazy conspiracy kid who, who you know, everyone thinks everyone is spying on them? No, it's mostly been pretty good. I mean, I haven't had anybody come up to me and, you know, call me, you know, like a conspirator or something. But like, um, I mean, yeah, it's it's been pretty good. I mean, my family's definitely very supportive. And do you find that people in general, even your age, are even – and I, I'm wondering this because I don't really recall that much even political dialogue when I was in high school, when I was a teenager. I mean, do you find that people are talking about this stuff in general? Are these are these big issues amongst your group or are you still kind of a, a diamond in the rough, I guess? Are you sort of a shining beacon in your age group trying to, to you know draw people to this? Um, probably mostly a diamond in the rough, to be honest. I mean, whenever you look at, you know, trying to fight the education battle, I mean, obviously you want to go with the younger generation first, which is, you know, where I am. But I mean, as far as, you know, education about this kind of thing, probably the most is, you know, the age group right above me. So the college level kids, but, you know, I mean, it's definitely trying to fight a battle, you know, get down to kids my age and, you know, let them know that just because they're young, you know, they can make change and they can make a difference. Now, Brandon, you're already kind of deeply immersed in this stuff. I mean, you, you've been involved in it for a couple of years here, at least two years. And you know, I, I'm kind of wondering if, uh, I don't know, is this just a fad for you? Or do you see yourself kind of uh, remaining politically active throughout your life at post high school? I mean, have you thought about stuff like running for political office or that kind of thing? Or what are your thoughts on all that? Um, I mean, I think I've, I, I've been glad to found, uh, you know, find a passion of mine so young in my life, you know, when even some never do. But I mean, hopefully I can continue it and keep it going. I mean, who knows, maybe I'll run for office one day, maybe I won't. But I definitely want to keep involved in the uh, hashtag or uh, quote unquote political game. (laughs) Very cool. And to me, in, in a lot of ways, the future is bright because there are people like you out there talking about this stuff. But, you know, how do you see this issue going forward? Do you think that more people are going to really become aware of the warrantless surveillance issue? Do you think more people are, are really kind of 
getting worked up over this to the point where, because it's still somewhat of a fringe issue, which is really amazing after the Edward Snowden thing. I mean, CNN's reporting on this stuff, people. It's, it's time to pay attention. But in so many ways, it just seems so glossed over. So do you see a way that we can really push it to the point that people really do care? I mean, how, how do you see that happening? What kind of successes have you had in, in communicating with other people? I think that the big uh, battle we have to fight with, um, you know, you know, is just uh, keeping it in the public spotlight. I mean, uh, I really like what Edward Snowden did, how he didn't, you know, just take all of the files he had collected and, you know, just drop them all at once. I really like what he did. That He's been spacing them out. You know, he releases, you know, something new every few weeks, every few months, every few weeks, every few months. And I think that that's definitely to, you know, keep it in the public spotlight. Whereas who knows, you know, maybe if he would have just released it at once, it would have all been glossed over. And I wouldn't be here talking about this right now because there would be no need to because no one would care. Well, if you if you listen to the angry Republican talking points, you, you would think that Edward Snowden just dropped all this info out there and, and let the world see everything that had ever been sucked up by the NSA and, and revealed every national security, you know, arrangement that had ever been made. But people don't realize that this is, a, you know, his work with Glenn Greenwald has been very precise, very specific, and uh, they've, they really are doing a very thorough job of going through information and only revealing things that are very important and revealing them in a way that we can kind of raise attention to each specific issue as opposed to just, you know, like you said, just vomiting it all out there sort of and, and overwhelming everybody. I mean, the first revelation was just the fact that this was even going on in the first place. And, you know, now that we kind of know it's going on overall, we're slowly finding, you know, as we go that there are so many different programs out there. I just read a, a recent one. I'm sure you've seen it that the NSA is actually able to install software on our on our computers for the means of surveillance. And that, that's one of the more recent revelations. So what, what are the biggest ones that have stood out to you of all these Edward Snowden revelations that we've seen over the past year or so? Um, the biggest one. I don't know. Probably, uh, the thing that's really gotten me the most is that they had, uh, been forcing, you know, private companies to Google, um, you know, the Facebook, the Twitter, and to giving them information and then slapping them with, you know, really, really heavy gag orders. I don't know. There was just something about that one that has always kind of stuck with me that, you know, it's like the places where people put the most information out are the places that are getting hit the absolute hardest. Now, Brandon, I've got just a couple more questions for you, but first, why don't we take a second to talk about our sponsor, Health Excellence Select. Now, until last year, I was just like you guys. I saw my health insurance cost double and my deductible skyrocket thanks to the Obamacare health insurance mandates. Determined not to participate in this corporatist scheme, I sought an alternative and found out about health sharing, a fantastic concept in which your monthly fees go directly to pay the medical bills of others, not into the pockets of some crony capitalist fat cat. Health Excellence Select combines health sharing with a patient care personal assistant 24-7 phone access to board-certified physicians, and discounts on dental, vision, and other benefits. The best part is that for most people, plans with Health Excellence Select are much more affordable than Obamacare insurance, and it meets the legal mandate, so you will not be fined for using it in lieu of insurance. That's Health Excellence Select. For more information, head over to lionsofliberty.com health. Now, Brandon, you're you're kind of an expert, I think, on this point of of activism between your work with Restore the Fourth and your work with um with Project Digital Privacy now. So, 
Do you have any advice for other people out there, maybe people your age, maybe people even a little bit older that, you know, they, they, they find a subject, whether it's a political issue or not, that's what we're talking about in this case, but when they find something that they're super passionate about and they, they need to tell people about it, they need to raise awareness about it, what advice would you give to people that might have that passion, might have that issue that they really need to, you know, really need to talk about, but they, they kind of think, well, you know, I'm not an expert, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not an activist, I don't know how this stuff works works and they might just forget about it. So what advice would you give to somebody like that? Probably that they can do it. You know, I mean, the biggest problem with activism is slacktivism, I always like to say. I mean, people, you know, thinking that they can do something and, you know, wanting to do something, but never, you know, either having the courage or having the time, etc. You know, I just want to say that you can do it. I mean, 30 seconds of bravery and that one deciding moment that, you know, hey, I'm going to start this can affect the next 30 years of your life. So, I mean, definitely if it's, I mean, if it's the difference, I mean, talk to people, you know, like myself or people like you or people like Dan Johnson over at Panda and uh, Solutions Institute. You know, there are definitely ways that you can get started and we can, uh, you know, help you out. Brad, I always like to ask my guests for a book recommendation. In, in your in your course of your activism and your sort of political awakening over the last few years, are there any books that you've come across that, you know, you would recommend to other people that might be in a similar sort of point in life? Um, I, as cliche as it is, I mean, you have to go with 1984. Wow. So, I mean, obviously uh, a lot of us have read that book. I've read the book numerous times, but can you expand a little bit more on that? You know, what is it about that specific book, that book 1984? Obviously it relates very much to what you're doing, but what, what about that book kind of, uh, you know, stood out to you and, and sucked you in? I mean, really what sucked me in with it is, I mean, just the fact that, you know, it's so relevant. You know, we've sort of turned into that, you know, Orwellian Huxleyan society that, you know, was always talked about. But now we finally, you know, realize that our worst fears have pretty much come true. You know, in 1984, having the, uh, you know, the thought police and the cameras in, uh, you know, everybody's homes. I mean, that's a real possibility with, you know, things like smart TVs and the NSA. I mean. I just really think that it's so relevant and, you know, at least to the work that I'm doing that I just can't, you know, I can't help but love the book. Yeah, and I think that 1984 kind of gives us a glimpse into a into that argument that people say, well, I have nothing to hide because in 1984, you know, everything is seen. They have telescreens in every house. You can't even really speak at all out loud without the government knowing what you've said. And it really shows how it, it quells political speech, because when you know every word that's being said, you can't and you know that the government doesn't like certain words being said. Well, suddenly you can't really say anything because you're afraid of, of having political speech. And that is really to me more so than, you know, nudie photos getting passed around the office, more so than, you know, having embarrassing secrets revealed about people, which is all very serious and everybody should have their you know their right to to their own privacy as they see fit but the, for me it's really that that quelling of political speech uh the idea that you know if when it's when you have a society that where everybody knows that they're being spied on i mean i've i've done some traveling i've talked to a lot of people from cuba in cuba most people won't even say Castro's name out loud because in every single neighborhood, uh, they don't have the technological maybe way that the, the NSA gets to do this, but in every single neighborhood, they, it's well known that there are people essentially working for the government that are basically spies. So even when you're around 
you know, friends and family, you can't really even speak politically. You know, when when I spoke to people in Cuba, they would tell me about, about how they would just have a symbol for Castro or they would tap their shoulder. And that's a very rudimentary example because their spying in Cuba is still at the very base level. It's at the, the human-to-human spying. Uh, and maybe they have a Cuba NSA. I'm not really sure. I don't think so, though. Uh, but it, it really is an example of how just, just the knowledge, even if they're not really reading everything, every email you send or they're not listening to every phone call you have just the knowledge that they can be and and having that knowledge out there in the population is uh really really hurtful um to political discourse and i think that's one of the most important reasons out there now brandon when you've been involved in this project for so long in these last couple years has has learning of all these issues of warrantless surveillance going on has this shaped your political views in any way or do you kind of try to look at things issue by issue and, and sort of stay apolitical how do you how do you view that whole this through the political prism so to speak um, probably more to the latter. I mean, I'm definitely more conservative on other things and liberal on other things, but I don't like to, de- you know, define myself as, hey, I'm a libertarian or, you know, Green Party or et cetera. But I mean, I definitely think it shaped my views and probably jaded me a bit too much. But I mean, yeah, I definitely say more with the latter. Well, of all the words I could use to describe you, Brandon, jaded is the last one I would think of, so so I wouldn't worry too much about that. To me, the jaded guy is the guy that's burying himself in the basement and, and you know, just, just breaking himself off from the system and, and, and deciding everything is hopeless and that he can't change anything, and you're certainly doing the opposite of that. So I want to thank you for what you're doing, Brandon. I think this it's very important that people are out here not only raising awareness of these issues, but also providing solutions and providing ways people can actually combat this stuff uh, and not just in that us-versus-them mentality not oh the police are are terrible we need to fight them no we all need to come together as a society raise awareness of these issues and try to put an end to them in a reasonable way and and you're certainly taking that approach out there uh before i go brandon why don't you just give us a little minute and round up everything you've been doing all the ways people can find out more about project digital privacy and how they can get in touch with you So as an overview, guys, Project Digital Privacy is a nonviolent organization dedicated to ending warrantless surveillance at the local level by police departments that are using things like IMSI catchers. You can find us at our website, projectdigitalprivacy.org, or on Twitter or Facebook at PDPrivacy. Um, So come and join us. You know, if you want, you know, start making changes in your neighborhood, you know, start introducing things in the local level and really start making a uh, change at home. So uh, thank you for having me on, Mark. Absolutely, Brandon. Brandon Keebler, everybody, be sure to check out Project Digital Privacy. And Brandon, best of luck to you. Best of luck to you, too. Thanks. Hey, guys. Mark Clare here, LionsofLiberty.com, where we strive to advance the ideas of liberty daily. We bring you the Morning Roar. That's right. Every Monday to Friday, we'll have a brand new edition of the Morning Roar, where we provide a roundup of some news stories that you may not find in the mainstream media or even in your typical social media news feed. We find stories that relate to the ideas of liberty and provide you with our liberty perspective on them. We wrap it all up every Friday with Felony Friday, where our own John Odermatt goes out and takes a look at some sort of felony. There's felonies committed every day, you know, whether it's a felony committed by the police, a politician, or even an average citizen. You can find all of this and so much more over at LionsofLiberty.com, advancing the ideas of liberty daily. This is Glenn Jacobs, and you're listening to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire. Wow, wowie, wow, wow. Talk about inspiring. 
Did I mention that Brandon is 16 years old? This is actually unbelievable. And he's been involved in activism, like you said, with Restore the Fourth since he was 14, which is just unbelievable to me. I mean, maybe I followed the presidential debates a little bit when I was a kid, but even then, I I feel like that was more of a as a reality TV show, you know? It's what was on TV. It was maybe no more important to me than a a football game or, you know, than the World Series. It was entertainment. It's something to watch. You get someone to root for. I was in a Republican house, so I rooted for the Republicans. I don't know why. Yeah, small government. That sounds good. You know, I didn't know anything. It's it's really amazing um, the awareness that I, I see in a lot of the younger generation, and I think a lot of that is due to the sort of the, the cracking of these walls that have been put up by the corporate media. And I hate using the word corporate media as if I'm against corporations. I'm not against corporations, but I am against corporations colluding with government to lie to the people. <laughs> They certainly did that with the Iraq war. Hell, it only took, what, a decade for someone to actually suffer a very minor professional consequence for lying about the Iraq war? Brian Williams, six-month suspension? Ooh, whoop-de-doo. He's the first person I know of that is being held responsible in a very, 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 very minor way for lying about the Iraq war. Meanwhile, there's entire media organizations, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, every one of them, that helped lie and cover up and talk about the Iraq war. How did I get talking about the Iraq war? Weren't we talking about digital privacy? I don't know. But it all ties in together, folks. It all ties in. Because when you have this conglomerated media system, which is very tied into the government, that's why I call it a corporate or a corporatist system, the media is very tied into the government, at least the mainstream media. The relationships are just a little too cozy. But now we've got people who are completely disengaged from the mainstream media. We've got people making podcasts. Hint, hint. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Stitcher. Leave me a review and a rating. That would be great. And we've got people like Brandon. Brandon Keebler, 16 years old, just ups and starts his own organization to raise awareness of and to combat police spying. And police are spying. Believe you me, folks. This is not conspiracy nonsense. This is not Alex Jones. Oh, everybody's watching you. Well, Alex Jones might sound crazy, and he I think he reaches conclusions a little too quickly. He certainly isn't my style. But he's right about one thing. There's a lot of Big Brother stuff going on, folks. It's real. It's, it's documented. Even the mainstream media talks about it. That's how you know it's a serious story. Uh, and it's no joke. You know, what kind of world do you want to grow up in? What kind of world do you want to raise kids in? Is it a world... Where everyone knows they're being watched at all times. Where everyone knows their emails are being read. Like I said, it's almost more dangerous when everyone knows. It stifles speech. People have to be worried. What can I say here? What can I say there? Well, that's no that's no free society, folks. If you can't openly speak out about anything, but about all the wrongs you see in the world, about the injustices you see in the world, if you can't speak out, well, we're not going to have a good time, folks, at all. <laughs> I don't know. Call me crazy. I want to grow up in a free society. I want to grow up where I can send someone an email and not worry about it being spied upon. I want to grow up in a place where... Grow up. (laughs) I thought I was grown up. I don't know. I think we're always all growing up. You know what I mean? We're always learning. We're always developing. We're always seeing the world in a different way, hopefully. Because once we decide we know how things are and that we're never going to change from that view, we're never going to be open to debating it, well, we're shutting ourselves down. Some people don't even need don't even need the spying and the fear to do it for them. Well, let's not do that, guys. 
We don't have to start a podcast, but we all got to speak out in whatever way we can, even if it's just at the dinner table, and even if it's just at the bar, even if it's just with coworkers. Speak out about this privacy issue. Point people to Brandon Keebler and Project Digital Privacy. These are the people we need to support in life. You want to send thousands of dollars to a political candidate? You're free to do that, but man, toss a cumble hundy over to Brandon Keebler. What do you think? Make a real difference, because people like that are the people that are really changing the world. And I'm not against politics. I think we need more good people in politics, but let's be honest, there's not that many great people in politics right now. There might be a couple, and I certainly encourage more of them. I hope Brandon Keebler goes into politics someday. But we got to support good causes. we got to support good people because the world is not going to change itself. People are always changing the world. And when those people are bad people that have bad ideas, such as, let's spy on everybody. Well, that's the road to tyranny, folks. I want to be on a different road. I want to be on the yellow brick road. That sounds fun. No, I want to be on the road to freedom, to more freedom, to a more free society. We can have it. We can have whatever we want. It's what we make of it, but we got to talk to each other, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's with our neighbor. That's whose minds we have to change, the people we interact with on a day-to-day basis. Hey, I'm just getting too fired up lately. I don't know. Don't forget to live long and live free.